morning, my renegades. My name is Sarah Jane, and welcome back to Rogue Radio. And today we're doing a Rogue News segment. So let's jump in the trenches, shall we? And yes, yes, I am back. We're going to talk about that in a minute. As always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you know where to contact me down in the descriptions below for Instagram, YouTube, all of that lovely good stuff. Okay, see you there. So there isn't much of a real reason why I decided to take a break. It's just sometimes when you do something for so long, you just want to take a break. That's all. Um, but yeah, I'm back. And yes, I am still working on the MK Ultra, like the last part of it, because there's so much. There's just so much to like write down, and uh, so yeah. But in the meantime, we're gonna do rogue news. So let's get into that. All right. Let's get on with the politics. Let's see what's uh, on OAN news for me to read. Also, shout out to China, who is listening now, and Israel. Israel was one of my biggest goals to reach, and I'm starting to reach Tel Aviv, and I just want to say to everybody, actually, who's listening, including Israel, thank you so much for listening and supporting me. Um, It's amazing that... Uh, so many people from so many different countries are starting to listen, and um, I didn't think I was that that special of a person to um, you know to be listened to. But I'm I'm very uh, humbled and I'm very honored that people are listening to me um, from so many different places all over the world, and um, I'm so glad and so happy and so proud to um, include China and Israel on the list of nations that are renegades now. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Speaking of Israel, we have a article about Israel today in the politics. So, U.S. Secretary of State uh, Anthony Blinken visits the memorial to the murdered Jews of Europe, also called the Holocaust Memorial, on June 24, 2021, in Berlin, Germany. Okay. Um, Anthony Blinken meets with Israeli Foreign Minister for reset from Trump Netanyahu area era. Okay. Um, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken met with Israeli Foreign Minister uh, Yar Lapid in Rome on Sunday. Reports said that the meeting took place to focus on moving past the Benjamin Netanyahu era. Um, This comes as the Biden administration is reportedly preparing to bring back the Iran nuclear deal. Although the new Israeli government has said it's still opposed to the Iran deal, they say they want to be softer in opposition. Um, Anthony Blinken tweets, It's been a pleasure to meet with Israeli Foreign Minister Yar Lapid 
um, today in Rome. We discussed the strong partnership between Israel and the United States, our commitment to Israel's security, and our support for regional uh, normalization efforts. Netanyahu um, formally riled the Obama administration by coming and speaking to a joint session of Congress against the deal in 2015. However, with Netanyahu out of or out as prime minister after numerous uh, deadlocked elections, the Biden administration said it's hoping to start anew with Israel. I look forward to working with you and widen the circle of peace in our region. That is the best way to bring stability and prosperity to the Middle East, said Lapid. We will discuss a range of issues such as concerns or which concerns Israel, including strengthening our ability to defend ourselves, uh, working to minimize the conflict between U.S. or between us and the Palestinians while uh, making life better for Israelis and Palestinians alike. So hang on. Between us. There is a conflict between the Palestinians and the Israelis, and I know I've said this before. Unfortunately, I mean, I'm a biblical person. I, I am a biblical uh, person. I, I'm a Christian. I, I believe that um, there, there may be peace in Israel and Palestine, but there's always going to be some sort of tension there, just because... Of, of what, you know, the Bible says about this, and um, I, I just don't know. Um, when it comes to Israel, I'm very protective of what I say, especially if I don't know uh, completely what is going on, because I just, I don't think that this is a good idea, but um, yeah. Both sides agreed to deepen U.S.-Israeli dialogue amid ongoing uh, threats to destroy the Jewish state by Iranian-hacked terror groups Hamas and Hezbollah. Okay, I found out uh, some information on the Iran nuclear deal, so we're gonna read it together and understand it together. So, um, anybody who is uh, from Israel who knows more than I do, you are free to contact me on my Instagram, email, all of that stuff, uh, to educate me. So, um, the Iran nuclear deal, what's wrong with it, and what can it be, or what we can do now. So, key failings of the Iran nuclear deal. The JCPOA uh, does not confirm the peaceful nature of Iran's nuclear program and provides a clear pathway to nuclear weapons. So, apparently, from what I've just read, it's basically just a setup for Israel to be attacked. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less from the freaking Biden administration, or the Obama administration for that matter, but yeah. It was in 2015, right? Yes. Obama administration. The sunset provisions... Laws. Uh, the sunset provisions in... 
Um, the JCPOA mean restrictions on Iran's uranium enrichment and plutonium reprocessing lift after 10 to 15 years. Um, Iran is free to expand its nuclear program uh, that, or at that time to an industrial scale and introduce advanced uh, centrifuges that can potentially reduce its breakout time. The time needed to produce enough weapons-grade uranium uh, for nuclear for a nuclear weapon to a matter of weeks, if not days, almost down to zero, according to President Obama. Uh, the JCPOA therefore um, merely rents Iranian arms control for a limited and defined period after which Iran will be permitted to have an industrial-scale nuclear program with, with no limitations on a number of type of centrifuges or on its stockpiles of fissile material, but tryst by the economic benefits obtained through uh, sanctions uh, easing. So. From what I can tell, it, I don't know, I feel like that, it only lasts for a certain amount of time, and then during this time, Iran is free to make as many weapons as they want of mass destruction on an industrial scale. So, it just sounds like they're just making a plan to destroy Israel. I mean... It's no news to anybody um, who's been following, like, the um, conflict with Israel and Palestine and all of that. And I understand, yes, I mean, the Middle East really wants Israel to be broken apart, and I just, I hate that. I hate that. Um, Inspections, verification, and potential clandestine parallel program. Uh, the JCPOA does not require Iran to submit any time, anywhere Industrial Atomic Energy Agency uh, inspections of uh, facilities and military sites where nuclear activities uh, are suspended to have occurred. Uh, Iran and a serial cheater oh no, Iran a serial cheater in its nuclear and other international obligations can delay inspections of such facilities for up to 24 days, um, giving it significant time to hide evidence of covert nuclear activities. So yeah, they also have that time to hide what's going on uh, without any inspections. That's not good at all. Um, Key questions remain uh, concerning Iran's undeclared nuclear activities. The JCPOA permanent or prematurely and irresponsibly closed an IAEA probe into Iran's documented nuclear weaponization efforts uh, or the so-called possible military dimensions, PMDs, um, of its nuclear program. However, the IAEA EA um, concluded that Iran was actively designing a nuclear weapon through at least 2009. 
Uh, Iran's lack of cooperation with the IAEA probe uh, makes it impossible to verify uh, if Tehran Tehran has halted all such efforts. Consequentially, uh, the international community has uh, an incomplete picture of Iran's nuclear program, making it impossible to establish a baseline to guide future inspections and verification. So everything over there is so secret at the moment um, that we don't know the scale of like how much they have made or what they have done. And um, it sounds like the Biden and the um, Obama administration has decided to keep it that way. I mean, they're proving this. And now they're trying to get Yar... Yar? I'm sorry if I... um The new prime minister. I'm sorry if I mispronounced his name. Forgive me for that. Um, but they're trying to get him as well to to be a part of this in, in hurting Israel. But maybe... I hope, Hopefully I'm misinterpreting everything. I really hope I do. Because I'm not an expert on this stuff. I hate politics. I hate the technical things in politics and and what makes it tick. But it is a very important thing for me to talk about. So, yeah. I want to be able to inform my listeners as best as I can. Let's continue reading. Iran accepts temporary nuclear restrictions in exchange for front-loaded permanent benefits. Um, so under the JCPOA, uh, United Nations restrictions and Iran's ballistic missile uh, program expire eight years after the adoption day, October 2023. Uh, the UN restrictions on the transfer of conventional weapons uh, to or from Iran, Iran, um, terminate after five years, October 2020. In exchange for temporary restrictions on its nuclear program, Iran is receiving permanent benefits up front. UN sanctions and some EU, um, sanctions have been lifted, enabling Iran to access previously frozen assets Um, remaining EU sanctions will be lifted in less than eight years. Um, Until the U.S. withdrawal in May 2018, the U.S. has ceased applying applying nuclear-related sanctions against foreign companies for doing business in Iran. Since the JCPOA was uh, implemented and the prior... and prior to the U.S. withdrawal in 2018 of May, Iran had signed over $100 billion in contracts with foreign companies. <laughs> okay. Uh, the deal emboldens and enriches an extremist anti-American terrorist state, uh, thereby furthering Iran's expansions and destabilizing activities. Regional, the regional instability... Uh, the windfall of sanctions 
uh, relief freed up tens of billions of dollars to finance Terrans, um, Taharans, many destabilizing activities. Uh, Iran increased its military budget 145% over the course of President uh, Rouhani's, Rouhani's, Rouhani's uh, first term. Um, Iran continues to be the world-leading state uh, sponsor of terrorism, uh, backing terrorist organizations Hezbollah and Hamas, both of which have been responsible for the deaths of American citizens. So, one thing I want to make clear right now is that Rogue Radio... I know that Iran also listens, and I want to let my Iranian um, listeners know that just like there are good people, there are also bad people, Um, and I will not clump all Iranians together as terrorists because they are not. Um, I don't believe in that. I know that there are good people. Um, in Iran, I know that there are good Muslims in Iran and good people who, who practice Islam in Iran. I understand that. Just like there are terrorists in America, there are terrorists everywhere. And yes, there are in Iran, unfortunately. And I do understand that Iran has probably been looked upon as like a terrorist country. And I don't want to, you know, look at Iran like that. Because there are people in Iran, there are Christians in Iran, there are Muslims in Iran that want peace. And uh, just know that, you know, whoever's listening, just know that, you know, Rogue Radio does not, you know, racially profile you all as terrorists. That's not what we're here for. That's not what Rogue Radio does. We understand that there are good and bad people in every country. And that is what we stand by. So, um... As far as me referencing Iran, this is all about the Iranian government. That's what we're referring to. So just know that. We're grateful that, you know, Iran is listening. It's it's amazing that you guys are listening. And we're grateful for that. Thank you very much. Um, But just know that we're not profiling everybody in Iran as a terrorist. Because that's not true. Um... Iran has escalated its support to Syria's Assad dictatorship, which has uh, killed hundreds of thousands during the the Syrian civil war, enabling Assad to reverse key setbacks and turn the tide of war in his favor. Iran sponsors the violent extremist groups destabilizing Iraq, Lebanon, Yemen, and Baharin? Um, Iran continues to take Americans and other Westerners hostage, detaining at least five Americans and six other Westerners since the nuclear deal was reached. The Iranian regime brutally represses its own people and violates the human rights of ethnic, national, and religious minorities and uh, with impunity. Um, Iran has tested launch has launched tested 16 ballistic missiles 
uh, since the JCPOA was reached, U- UN Security Council uh, Resolution t- uh, 2231, which implemented the deal, uh, aided Iran's ballistic missile program, uh, replacing previous resolution language that said, Iran shall not engage in ballistic missile activities with weaker uh, language that merely calls upon Iran not to test any ballistic missiles designed to be nuclear capable. So, um, as far as that goes, the, the Iranian government has basically, they've kind of taken the deal and was like, you know what, you know, forget you, we're gonna, you know, do what we want. And that's basically what's been going on. And, um, it's just not, I don't think that this, reading this even further down, it just sounds like this is all just a thing to kind of patch up. You know how, like, you know what paper mache is? In order to, like, make something look nice, you have to keep applying layer after layer after layer of paper mache. But it's, it's still... I don't know, I feel like they're just trying to, like, paste over a problem that is still going on. Uh, this deal with, with, uh, that America is proposing right now with Israel. I just feel like they're just putting a band-aid over it, hoping it'll heal at one point. But the emotional scar is still there. You know, that's not gonna make anything better. They're still gonna remember what, what's happened. <clears throat> Excuse me. The deal fails to prevent Iran from developing nuclear weapons in long term. Hang on. My husband is calling me. I will be right back. Anyway, my husband's home. Say hi. Hello. <laughs> he may or may not interject at some point. That's okay. He's over eating grapes. Yeah. He's gonna eat grapes during the whole thing, so. Um, I think where we left off is the arms race, so. The deal fails to prevent Iran from developing nuclear weapons in the long term. Uh, yeah, in the long term. Term and weakens uh, restrictions on Iran's ballistic missile program and conventional arms transfers. Consequentially... Iran's regional adversaries like Saudi Arabia may race to counter Iran by getting their own nuclear weapons and ballistic missiles to enhance their conventional arms capabilities. For Saudi, for Saudi intelligence minister Turk, Turkey Al-Faisal Fa, Faisal, uh, <laughs> warned in 2015, I've always said whatever comes out of these talks, we will want the same. So if Iran was has the ability to enrich uranium to whatever level, it's not just Saudi Arabia that's going to ask for that. The whole world will be an open door to go that route without any inhibition. Um, Thus, the chance of destabilizing regional competition and conflict has increased. So yes, that's the whole breakdown of the Iranian um, nuclear program and 
and the deal that they're trying to make with Israel, so... This next one is about Texas, so let's go. Uh, Texas AG Paxton, 500 election fraud cases pending. So, Texas Attorney General um, Ken Paxton has announced that more than 500 election fraud cases are currently waiting to be heard in court. Over the weekend, Paxton re uh, relayed on Twitter that his team will prosecute every uh, instance of voter fraud. This comes after the shared information about a woman being arrested for multiple counts of election fraud in 2018. Uh, the, in a 2018 local election, Monica Mendez was convicted on seven counts of illegal voting, eight counts of unlawfully assisting a voter, eight counts of unlawful possession of ballots, and eight counts of election fraud. Dang, this lady's busy! Okay! <clears throat> In response to the case, Texaner Governor, Texas Governor uh, Greg Abbott, Republican, said his team plans to pursue laws for more secure elections. And he tweets, um, no, Attorney General Ken Paxton tweets, um, thanks Greg Abbott from Texas, uh, we will prosecute voter fraud every time we find it. Currently, our office is 500, has over 500 cases waiting to be heard in court. Voter fraud is real. Texans deserve to know their vote is legally and securely counted. I fully expect to have a session where we will pass an election integrity bill as well as bail reform, said Abbott. Uh, Those are both needed and they both must pass, he said. Or he has since announced the state legislature will have a special session addressing voter fraud laws. So yeah. Um... That was that article. It was short, actually. I didn't expect that. So this next one is about Florida. And um, for those of you who don't know, a building, apartment complex building, um, collapsed. Or part of it did. And... um, there's still 156 people underneath the rubble still unaccounted for. Um, as far as I know, four people have died, and um, yeah, this is a very, very tragic thing. So we're going to read the article right now about it. Senator Rubio reacts to continuing efforts in Surfside, Florida <clears throat> building collapse. Florida Senator... Uh, Marco Rubio discussed the condo collapse and continuing search and rescue efforts on in Surfside. In an interview on Sunday, Rubio was questioned in a on a theory the collapse could have been caused by environmental factors factors such as salty sea air. Um, 
the Republican senator responded by saying nothing should be ruled out as early or this early in the investigation. Uh, he said it is important to understand that or understand what happened to the uh, Champlain condo buildings in order to evaluate other structures that may also be at risk. The National Institute of Standards and Technology, a federal agency which specializes in catastrophic structure failures, is uh, deploying to Surfside to collect uh, information on the cause of the tower collapse. Rubio also stressed he was making sure that the people in the community had every resource available which experts, or while experts, um, attempted to understand uh, what happened and federal, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, th <sighs> there's, that's no surprise. One of these days I'll uh, do a conspiracy uh, thing about FEMA because there's a lot to go into with that one. But, has been on in Surfside to provide resources to individuals and businesses who were impacted by the collapse. While crews from Mexico and Israel have joined to search and rescue teams uh, for individuals still unaccounted for. Aww, so that's really cool. Israel's helping out. That's amazing. It makes me want to cry. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just amazing how, like, people come together in tragedy but um obviously something very unusual happened here I do know and I do understand why people living in the area particularly the building just north of it that's building that's basically a twin same architectural design same company that built it uh would be concerned about it he expressed I know that they have have now been made FEMA eligible, um, meaning if they would like to relocate, FEMA would help them with those arrangements. Rubio went on to highlight the dangerous work um, being done by emergency crews by saying they are very much still intent on saving lives. It's time for that ad, bro. Let's try this again. No. Yes, we're no, gonna no, try it again. Holy. Hopefully it works. Holy. What? I I gotta do this real quick, baby. I got like what? Six more uh, six more things to do, and then I'm done. Okay. Then you have me for the rest of the night. The day. The day and the night. <laughs> um. Six.
I don't think anybody wants to know that part of our lives, babe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're nuts. <laughs> okay. The woman shamed for saying she'll dump fiance if he doesn't shave uh, beard for wedding. Bride-to-be uh, took to Reddit as to ask users whether she was being out of order for telling her partner that she would dump him. Uh, that's mean. Why would you do that? <laughs> a woman has been labeled a bridezilla online for cruel for the cruel ultimatum she gave her fiance. Sharing her story anonymously, she uh, explained that her partner has been growing his beard out since March. Uh, but with uh, there being or but with their big day approaching she told him uh, that she that he should shave and she feels like the pictures will not be as classy and nice if she, if he leaves it as is posting on reddit um, the am I the a-hole forum <laughs> Uh, she said, I've been with my fiancé for over three years, and we have been engaged for one of those years. Our wedding is set for September 6th. Um, my fiancé has been growing a beard <laughs> ever since, like, March or so. This is funny. I haven't thought of anything. I haven't thought anything of it since I've seen him. Babe, quit! Damn! I haven't thought anything of it since I've seen him with a beard plenty of times before. But when she jokingly asks him whether he'd get rid of it, he refused, and things turned sour. Oh, I'm sorry, you can't tell the Jezebel no, right? <sighs> the bride added, he said, um, I was going to leave my beard for the wedding. I gave him a pretty gross look and said, no, you are not. Uh, that is not acceptable. I will not have that. He got mad, and I was telling him what to do uh, and said that I can't tell him what to do with his grooming preferences. Ah. But she said because it's her wedding, her wedding, I'm sorry, I thought it, I thought you two were both getting married. Um, she has a right to tell him how he should look uh, for their wedding. He didn't budge. He ended up getting really mad at that comment and left shortly after. Since then, the woman says they've barely spoken. Yeah, I understand why. For one, um, I don't understand why it's such a big deal for him to have a beard. Like, I can understand if, you know, he wants to trim it and make it look a little nicer for the, you know, big day. But... The problem is, is that she thinks it's just her wedding. And, um, 
that's not okay. I mean, he's getting married to you, too, so... Maybe you guys should compromise? I mean, after sharing her story online, the majority of Reddit users said, I hate this website. It keeps moving. After sharing the story online, the majority of Reddit users said that she was in the wrong and took her husband to B-side. Uh, one person said, if you really don't want him to have a beard for your wedding, you should have talked about it in a respectful way, not demanding, and then doubling down on your rudeness by threatening to cancel the wedding. Outrageous. If this is your conflict resolution, if this is what it looks like in general, then he should run away from you as fast as he can. This marriage will not last. How can you think it's okay to demand that he shave his beard because it's your day. Uh, you can't have a wedding without a groom, so it's his day too. You've bought into the whole bridezilla culture, my dear. Uh, you need to apologize to him and ask him if both of you can talk about this calmly and rationally. And just because, and just because I want it is not a good uh, enough reason. Good luck to you both. You're gonna need it if this marriage is gonna work. Couples therapy should be strongly considered. <laughs> oh, wow. <clears throat> Another wrote, uh, he is the guy you said yes to, beard and all. How would you feel if he said he won't marry you, uh, marry you, oh my god, I can't read. What the hell, what the heck is wrong with me? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. What are words? <clears throat> he is the guy that you said yes to, uh, beard and all. How would you feel if he said he won't marry you unless you lose 20 pounds before the wedding? <laughs> I like that one. Uh, whilst the third commented, short answer, yes. You are the talk about over entitled. Wow. Yeah. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this article at all. Is that, a, is that it? Is that all of it? It is. It's all of it. I hate that website. That website had way too many ads. Anyway. Baby, what do you think about that story? It's a bunch of bullcrap. It is a bunch of bullcrap. Like... Did you have a beard when we got married? No, I actually had a goatee. Oh yeah, you did. You had a goatee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Getting mad over shaving your husband's like facial hair. Some women are more picky on that. But that's the thing. Women shouldn't be. I mean, you love the man, beard and all. Why not marry him like that? Like, what does it matter? I, I don't know. I guess not everybody can be like us where we don't get the crap what nope. other people think. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this next one comes from Wisconsin, so let's see. Wisconsin business creates world's largest string cheese. Why? <laughs> 
June 25th, a Wisconsin cheese business said it unofficially broke its own Guinness World Record by creating a string cheese that measures more than 3,800 feet long. I want to continue reading. Uh, Gerard Knoss, master cheesemaker at... Oh, Lord, what is that word? Weyawenga? Weyawenga, star diary in Weyawenga, <laughs> said his father, former master cheesemaker Jim uh, Knass, <laughs> presided over the first successful Guinness World Record string cheese attempt in 1995, and the record was updated in 2006 when the business created 2,000-foot-long uh, piece of string cheese. Uh, the cheesemaker celebrated uh, June Dairy Month by um, creating the string cheese that measures 3,832 feet, nearly doubling the 2006 record. Uh, <laughs> the greatest part here now is the community uh, coming together in this you see all the people that came to me. Why are you breathing down my neck? No. You hear that? I think my husband is experiencing withdrawal symptoms from me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I can't be professional on here, I guess. Oh my god. They enjoyed every bit of it. When we... Talking about cheese, my husband cut the cheese. Thank you very much, Terrence, for that. Uh, when we got done, everybody got some cheese. <laughs> The Knaus, the Knaus family, and I hope uh, everybody enjoys it. Gerard Knaus told uh, W Bay TV. He said documentation uh, from the latest event will be submitted to Guinness to have a record updated with the new cheese length. <laughs> He said he wants his father's name to, re to remain on the record. Jim Naus uh, said he was proud to see the business continuing its tradition. I can't do any more, so it's great they do it, Jim Naus told WLUK-TV. Yay! So they got the longest cheese string in Wisconsin. That's amazing. This next one is somebody uh, finds someone to love. <laughs> That's funny. Shut up, Queen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Diver finds message in a bottle from 1926 in Michigan River. Okay. 
June 24th, a boat captain in Michigan uh, discovered a message in a bottle from 1926 at the bottom of a river and later was able to speak with the daughter of its creator. Uh, Jennifer Dowker, owner of the Glass uh, Bottom Boat Tour Company, Nautical North Family Adventures, said she was scuba diving in or on the Sheboygan River on June 20 or oh my god, June 18th uh, to clean the windows on the bottom of her boat. Dowker said she often looks at the floor of the river while diving to see if there are any items that might be of interest to her customers. Uh, I just collect little bottles that I find in the ground of the river when I am uh, diving pretty often, actually. Oh, Jesus. Babe, stop! Tauker uh, told USA Today. You think you're hilarious, don't you? Dowker uh, spotted a tiny green bottle June 18th dive and soon realized there was a piece of paper inside. Uh, the note was dated November 1926 and read, Will... The person who finds this bottle return this paper to George Merrill, Cheboygan, Michigan, and tell uh, where it was found. Dowker posted photos of uh, her discovery to her company's Facebook page, and the post uh, quickly went viral. I woke up the next morning and I had a lot of messages from tons of different people saying, um, Oh, this is, or this could be, uh, you know, or so or so. What the heck? That was, I think, oh my god, that was so confusing to read. Uh, Dowker said, uh, Honestly, my first thought was how I was going to find the time to do this because I am a single mom with three boys running a business. Uh, Dowker said, she didn't have to conduct much of a search as she uh, received a phone call from uh, on Father's Day from Michelle uh, Premu, 74, who said that she had been contacted by someone who saw the Facebook post and did uh, research at Ancestry.com. Uh, she emailed the pictures of the letter and as soon as I saw it, uh, I knew it was my father's handwriting, and it was found in Cheboygan. Uh, he was born in Cheboygan and lived there until uh, his 20s, Pernu said. It was also interesting because she, uh, he threw the letter in the river in November, and his birthday is in November. Pernu said uh, her father, who died in 1995, was known for leaving written messages in unexpected places. That's actually kind of cute. I, I want to start doing that. Just leaving random messages. Just be like, someone finds a message in a bottle down at the bottom of a river, and it's like, someone finds it later on in like the future, and it just says, you're awesome, keep going. <laughs> Uh, I remember when we were changing uh, the medicine cabinet in our bathroom and we found a message that my dad had written on the wall, he, she said. 
And that is the article. That's actually kind of cute to, to read. But um, I'm gonna have to cut this one short because um, my husband is, is starting to get a little antsy and I, I gotta have to. I'm gonna take care of him now. So see you guys. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening, and I will see you in the trenches next time. See ya. Bye-bye. You got something to say, babe? Oh, okay, he's asleep. <laughs>